0: This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell.
1: Hi, welcome back to Money and Markets. I'm Dan from Shares. I'm joined by Laura from AJ Bell. Hi there. This week, we're going to talk about the NHS pension crisis, National Lottery's 25th birthday, gin and tonic, VCTs, and the favourite retail brands that are boomed.
0: So, firstly, pension experts were extremely excited this week as a big pension change was announced. Tom Selby, AJ Bell's pension guru, is here to explain it all. He was very excited at the time. Big headline at Pensions News. So, firstly, so it's to do with the NHS and pensions, but I think you should give us the background for those that aren't Uh, tapped into it every day like you are.
2: That's the first time I've been called a guru and the last. By anybody, ever. <laughs> I think it was a mistake. So, um, the background to the NHS issues. Now, firstly, clearly the NHS is suffering loads of capacity issues anyway because of your lack of funding and an older population and all the rest of it. Um, but those problems have been quite badly exacerbated by the pension tax regime, which is quite incredible, really, and, um, and uh, uh, entirely avoidable. Situation. So the problem centres around the tapered annual allowance, which is one of the more complicated areas of quite a complicated pensions tax regime. So the way that the tapered annual allowance works is that you've got two different income measures that are used to decide whether you get to continue to have the higher annual allowance of £40,000, or if you have that reduced slowly to a minimum of £10,000. So there's two measures. One's an adjusted income measure, which is £150,000, and that's all of your taxable income. Um, and it includes your employer pension contributions as well. So that's 150,000 pounds. If that if that, if that figure is above 150,000 pounds, you might be affected by the taper. But you'll only be affected if your threshold income, which includes all of your taxable income minus your personal pension contributions. Is more than one hundred ten thousand pounds. So, those one if what if the threshold income is above one hundred ten thousand pounds and the adjusted income is above one hundred fifty thousand pounds, then the taper will kick in. So, are you you. still with us, Dan?
1: Yeah, I was just I kept thinking, do you talk in your sleep? And if so, is it is it about pensions?
2: I've no I've no idea actually. I hope I don't talk in my sleep. I mean, imagine I talked in my sleep about About the taper. That would be a very sad (laughs) state of affairs, isn't it? But we digress.
0: (laughs) So how does this affect the NHS? Basically, doctors have been caught out by it. There are
2: lots of senior doctors within the NHS and consultants who are paid far more than £110,000 and far more than the adjusted figure of £150,000 as well. Now, because they're in defined benefit pension schemes, it's quite difficult for them to work out exactly how big their pension contribution is each year because in a defined benefit scheme you build up rights towards a pension based on your salary rather than a defined pot of money. So actually quite a lot of these doctors don't know exactly the value of the benefit they're accruing each year. And one of the major issues that's come to light in the NHS scheme is the fact that these doctors quite often need to take on extra shifts of work in order to cope with all the extra workload that's coming from loads and loads of patients coming through the door. And there have been various stories of doctors facing tax bills of tens of thousands of pounds as a result of the of the uh, the tapered annual allowance kicking in, uh, potentially 100% marginal tax rates if they decide to take these extra shifts. So doctors, understandably, aren't taking on those shifts because essentially they'd be having to work for free in some cases or certainly being taxed to the hilt. Now, clearly, that's not very good news for the NHS, full stop, and not very good news for the government, full stop, particularly as we're getting towards winter, when demand's going to get a lot higher in the NHS. And particularly, I think the main thing here is because we've got a general election coming up so there's been lots and lots of pressure for the government to do something about this to make it um, less likely that doctors will stop working and the government's refused to do anything it's now apparently decided to do something so this none of this is official yet we haven't had any official documents but there's been some briefings to various members of the press i think the ft and the bbc suggesting that what they're going to do is people will still be taxed in the same way so if you breach your annual allowance whatever your annual allowance according to the taper may be if any of these doctors or anyone in the nhs scheme breaches it then the then the nhs will make good any tax charge they receive in the current tax year so 2019 20 in pension benefits at the end so i think docs and consultants are quite happy with this i think people generally are a bit unhappy with it because it's i mean it just just, seems
0: ridiculous to solve the problem, I mean, this problem doesn't just affect doctors. So, what by doing this, they've solved the problem for the NHS and for doctors. But there'll be loads of people out there, potentially yeah. even listening to the podcast, that will be affected by this that won't have that easy fix, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, to use a medical analogy, it's like a sticking plaster on, our, on an arterial wound, I guess, isn't it? It's really it's, that was beautiful. It, it, thank you very much. It's it's, 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 I mean, it's only solving the problem for one scheme in one. Yeah, this, when when we get through this tax year, when the election's over, guess what, you're still going to have the problem in the NHS. And you're absolutely right. There's an issue of fairness here as well, because there's lots and lots of people in lots and lots of sectors who are affected by the tapered annual allowance and who won't always know what their earnings are going to be in the year and won't always know what their pension contributions are going to be in the year. Uh, either who will be really struggling to deal with this so I mean in our work um, lobbying government for various changes and we always push for things to hopefully make things simpler we've just suggested that they scrap the taper all together I think that's potentially politically difficult because this is something that while it's really complicated and is obviously having some quite unintended adverse Consequences, particularly for the NHS. I don't think any any politician is going to go into a campaign, particularly a campaign like this, suggesting something that essentially means that high earning people can pay more into a pension in a tax free environment. So,
0: and it would presumably cost an, an amount of money as well. Yeah, it's
2: about a billion pounds a year oh, that they get changed. The, which it's well, it's not a huge amount in the terms of government spending and. Um, I've said to people before, it it seems like absolute madness that we've got to the stage now that our pension tax system is so complicated that it's genuinely making it more likely that people will die. I mean, that is just... Nonsense. Oh, because there won't be doctors. Well, presumably the doctors are needed. Or just boredom
0: trying to work out the (laughs) policy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Boredom
2: listening to me talk about various pensions policies. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, there's a dual risk there. I think. So, lack of doctors and too much pensions nerdery on podcasts.
0: But then with the NHS choosing to do this, that's obviously Mm. an extra cost that they've got to pay for. So I imagine the wider public that that aren't affected by this necessarily might not think that it's quite right that the NHS, which at the moment is trapped for money, Mm. is choosing to spend some of its funding on sorting out the pension problem Mm. and those pension bills rather than on extra drugs or hospitals. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a a zero-sum game, so there's only a certain amount of money to go around. This money by the sounds of it is going to come from within the NHS's existing budget at the moment so no extra money from anywhere else so the question will be if that's that whatever the cost is going to be presumably I mean, it's not you know it's not going to be a billion, a billion pounds because that's across the entire industry but you're certainly going to be talking about millions of pounds that money's either going to have that's going, money's going to have to come from other services that the NHS would be providing that they now won't be able to provide so it's a, a, a pretty difficult situation.
0: So, Dan, you have been looking at how our favourite shops have been performing this year. So, we keep hearing about the, the death of the high street and how the high street and retail is doing so badly, but that's not the case for all brands, is it?
1: No. So, I've been looking at the share price performance of all the retail companies on the UK stock market, of which there are actually there's loads. Um, we do hear these sort of stories of companies struggling, but if you are an investor in this space, you could have either made a lot of money or lost a lot of money um so i'll give you i just asked you know what do you laura what do you think is the 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 best performing share amongst the retail sector this year
0: and are we including online retail as well as high
1: street so anyway yeah it doesn't really matter where, where they sell stuff um but who do you think it might be
0: um i'm gonna say next because i think it had a really bad year last year
1: so it's actually, uh, next is second second on the list. The, the top oh, one I is win, is almost. JD Sports Fashion, which is where you buy your trainers, oh, isn't
0: it? No one's ever called it JD Sports Fashion, FYI. It's just called JD <laughs> Sports, but okay.
1: If you bought the shares and you type the name into the share-dealing system, I'll have you find that the corporate name is JD Sports I Fashion. I can't
2: tell you how much tension yeah. there is <laughs> <laughs> in the podcast studio at yeah. the moment. But, that
0: is interesting, though, yeah. but that doesn't completely surprised me because it's been big behind the athleisure trend a lot of people are wearing more trainers now myself included and lots of people buy them from there
1: yes i mean jd sports is is selling trainers also increasingly selling clothes and it's Mm. it's overseas as well so it's trying to it's been breaking into um the u.s it's bought a uh, a business fairly recently there and if you'd bought the shares at the start of the year, you would have made 116% gain. That's, which wow. is, that's amazing. And if you compare that against cash in the bank, you might have got 1% or 2% on your ISA or something. But yes, I mean, it's, it's absolutely superb. a lot
0: of trainers with that. Yeah.
1: And this is also, it's, it's not a business which has you know, struggled and therefore the share price was weak. This is actually just genuine growth, um, doing very well. And on the the, the the bottom end of the scale, you could well.
0: Let, let, let's get Tom to oh, guess yeah. what's the bottom end of the scale. What do you think the worst retailer is this year?
1: Not sure you would have heard of this one, actually, Tom. Oh really? Okay. It's aimed at a different demographic. Ah, so I, you're people. too old.
2: <laughs> so a, re- a retail stock. Yeah. Aimed at people who are old.
1: No, no, you're too old. It's <laughs> I'm too old. At, yeah, oh, it's, it's, aimed a, at, it's aimed at
2: young people. Yeah. yeah. Gap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my sale which is oh, a, a, web, never heard of it. a website which um may surprise you used to, one of its investors used to be mike ashley of sports direct mm. but even he got bored and sold out it was too um, bad
0: an investment for him <laughs> wow <laughs> wow that's yeah. bad
1: i mean i think they do flash sales basically stuff that people shops can't sell they, they dump it on this website and just get rid of it at any price um yeah they, they've had a real bad time so you'd have lost 81 percent. so it gives oh, you an wow. idea of the the sort of the, the, the range between these mm-hmm. sort of thing, things. So I've, lo- I've also looked at the three-year data. Um, and interestingly, there's companies that do almost exactly the same thing. You would you know, you, you know, much different um, fortunes. So Boohoo and ASOS are both online fashion retailers. Um, over three years, you would have made 124% with Boohoo, but you would have lost 35% with ASOS.
0: It's so interesting because ASOS for ages, when you spoke to fund managers, was like the 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 gem of their portfolios and had done so well for so long and they were backing this kind of online retail trend and then i feel like boohoo came along and i'm sure there were other reasons why asos didn't do so well but
1: yeah i mean it, it was it was been struggling with its expansion um it did really well in the uk but it's overseas stuff it needed to invest loads in warehousing i mean you gotta remember that online um selling clothes online is actually quite complicated because we're all ordering probably multiple uh, products and sending the one back that doesn't fit. um so you have to it's it's handling returns is a bigger thing as about actually sending it out in the first place. So.
0: Definitely is when you're dealing with me as a customer. <laughs> I was going to say so I I've,
2: I've never shopped with either Boohoo or ASOS but my girlfriend does a lot and I would say she sends back 90%. Of the things.
0: Well, ASOS brought in a new rule where they banned you if you basically were a continual returner and you never actually bought anything. Right. Which actually scared me a little bit because I (laughs) do return quite a lot.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Bad for the environment as well, I assume.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, they've been struggling with their warehouse stuff, particularly in America. Um, I also looked at Burberry and Mulberry. So these are sort of both luxury mm-hmm. goods. Um, so after Burberry, you would have made 51% in three years. Mulberry, you'd have lost 76%. Wow. I wow. mean, you would think that it's the same drivers. It's, you know, people, um, particularly in Asia, there's sort of the, the increasing sort of middle-class wealth there. Um, yeah, it's just, it shows when you're going to... Invest in this area area, or even actually invest in any sector, Um, you've got to look at each company individually and its merits uh, rather than simply just buying a name which you, you think are okay, familiar with that therefore that, that might be a good investment it's not It's not that simple unfortunately
0: but I think it is quite encouraging to hear that because there are so many continual headlines about how retail is dead it's quite encouraging to hear that actually there are quite a few companies that are doing quite well within that space
1: yeah absolutely and also people sort of say you, you've got to be online because that's the high street's rubbish these days there's no footfall there um, but actually Associated British Foods which is the the parent company of Primark have shown that you don't even need a website to do well Primark you can't buy stuff online you've got to go into its shops and, it, and it's doing fantastically so
0: but on on kind of big brands that haven't been doing so well so fever tree and people aren't buying it as much are they does this mean that our british love affair with gin and tonics is ending
1: well it's very interesting i mean say so laura are you a gin and tonic fan
0: uh, you know me so well yes, yes. a
1: cannon tonic i should say <laughs> <laughs> having seen you on public transport and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> um Tin, tin and tonic, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. I have got the phrase wrong. So, yeah. um, so, so F- <laughs> Fever Tree is the the maker of mixers that go with um, a selection of spirits, but gin is kind of a, their main market. They had announcement out um, this morning, the day that we we're recording this podcast, um, saying that. Few, they've had problems with the uk shops and supermarkets most of their business is doing quite well they are if you know selling through pubs and restaurants is all doing very well um the overseas stuff is also doing well just just uk shops and supermarkets so the share price opened down well it fell seven percent immediately when the stock market opened this morning by lunchtime it was up 13 percent. i mean it's that's pretty r- volatile yeah very rare mm-hmm. to see sort of, sort of these wild swings um i think what was happening is that people sort of immediately got spooked by saying oh my god it's not Mm. doing very well this has been a very fast growth business um but actually what if you read up what the commentary about the stock everyone's been expecting the uk's growth to moderate anyway there's loads of competition so if you think that the idea of a really successful company will attract others who want to essentially have a slice of the same pie yeah, if you're doing well a competitor would come along and Say, what can we do that they're doing and so we can also boost ourselves so you've had loads of these sort of posh tonic um products hit the shelves either from supermarkets themselves you've had Schweppes which is which yeah. kind of used to be the market leader then it got a bit sleepy and kind of fever tree stole its thunder and but you know Schweppes have been putting loads of money back into marketing again um so yeah it's been a bit been a bit difficult but really the, the you know, if you were investing in Fever Tree, um, the focus for last year, this year, and certainly for the future is: can it replicate its success in the UK, in America? And its today's statement says it's doing better than expected. So, uh, you know, I can perhaps understand why people are a bit more excited about it maybe once they've had time to weigh out the pros and cons but i guess if you've been an investor in it um it's been a bit of a wild ride and you certainly probably want to have a bit of a gin and tonic tonight to (laughs) calm your nerves so
0: So here's a scary fact for you both we are closer to 2020's tax year end than 2019's (gasps) blimey That's a great reaction, Tom. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So the venture capital trust industry kind of starts ramping up from about now until April, the end of tax year, um, which Dan spotted a few new issuances. But Dan, tell us first what the VCT industry is.
1: So a venture capital trust is a fund that will invest either in a private business or quite rarely they'll invest in something that's already on the stock market. It will be on the AIM stock market. Um, What you can do, if you if you invest in one of these, you can claim up to thirty percent tax relief, and you can invest up to two hundred thousand pounds. So, people like these products. Perhaps if they've used up all their allowances on their, Mm. say, on their pension or or their annual iso allowance, it's another sort of tax-efficient way of investing. There are some catches for it. So, the government will give you this um, thirty percent tax relief as kind of like a reward for investing in growing companies you have to hold this investment for five years so if you sold before that five-year period is end you've got to give the hmrc back the tax relief that you initially got but you will get tax-free dividends and um it's capital gains taxes exempt as well so um you know you can see the benefits of it it's very much tax planning and also with the idea of um back to the subject of pensions which we started the podcast with people are finding that they're hitting their Mm. lifetime allowance um quite easily now and so they're still looking for ways to kind of avoid giving more money to the tax man so vcts have become increasingly popular so roughly about once a year this new season of offers come out and now we're, we're bang in the middle of it now and it will last probably for a couple of months of bit of frenzy and then all the most popular ones will find that they're sold out actually you need to buy these products directly from the vct product provider you
0: you, and they have like a limited capacity right of the amount of assets that they can take in
1: they're only looking to raise a certain amount of money the argument is that they there's only certain amount of things that they want to invest in they don't want to be left with loads of cash simply to it apply it anywhere um, you can buy shares and VCT on the stock market but you're buying them from someone else and you wouldn't get the tax break so there is very little trading mm. in these on the market so um, they are they come in sort of three types one's a generalist um, kind of like investing in the next big thing. Um, you can get limited life VCTs, which is about capital preservation, and ones that just invest in AIM stocks. Um, there's been sort of quite a lot of success um, and failures. The idea is if you know over five years hopefully there'll be more winners and losers in the portfolio.
0: Or at least more winners to counteract to counteract your kind of tax break, if you me.
1: yeah and and, and the, the way that it, VCT managers work is they tend to follow entrepreneurs so i I give you an example of um do you remember love film the dvd rental Mm, wow that's a blast from the past yeah so um octopus is one of the vct fund managers they invested in love film in the year back in the early days um amazon bought love film so octopus would have made a return on its investments um amazon probably paying more than it was I, i don't i don't recall the exact price at which it took it out but octopus actually followed the founder of love film onto its neck onto his next venture which was graze which is the oh, yeah. i don't know if I'm you really buy right. the sort of snacks by post and you can increasingly find them in the supermarket mm. so they like the idea if a got a, a person's got a good idea um they like to support them and because they know that they're going to be invested for a long time these entrepreneurs kind of count on vct funds for ongoing funding as as they go up in their career and develop so they're an interesting thing but they they can be high risk they're certainly uh, not for every everyone to suitable for everyone because
0: you're investing in kind of unproven very small startup companies aren't you
1: yeah and also because your money is locked away for five years i mean that's that, that's quite tough a lot of people i you know i can mm. i can see the appeal of going to like say a cash savings account locking away for a year or maybe two years to get a better rate but five years is actually quite a long time you don't know really what's happening in your life where you suddenly might need the money so um you, you you're probably if you're if you're into investing you'll probably see lots of promotions for vcts now um and maybe this podcast has sort of stimulated some interest but um yeah don't forget those risks with them and so finally, um, it's someone's birthday this week. So, Tom, is it your birthday? No, not yet. No. Only a couple of
2: months, though. Eh? Laura, is it your birthday? Sadly not.
0: Oh,
1: oh, it's the lotteries, isn't it? Yes. How old are they?
0: National Lottery is 25 years old this week.
1: Oh, my God, that makes me feel old. I can remember buying the lottery ticket on the first day, and I still have the ticket oh. that says first day issue. Okay, that was, that's wow. good. I was, I that wasn't makes old. me I, feel young. I wasn't old <laughs> enough, yeah. yeah. Did you win anything? Uh, no, I didn't win anything. Oh. no. Oh. no. So, Laura, have you ever won the lottery? I think it's the most important question we want. Yeah, I'm
0: actually a (laughs) multimillionaire. I just do this podcast for the fun. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, good for you. Sadly not. I've won like the odd £10, but nothing more.
2: No, Tom, But I don't really play it that often. No, no, I've not played it for a long, long time. I've only ever done it the odd time when mates have been kind of clubbing in for a really big jackpot or something like that. I used to have premium buns. My granddad got me... I think it was twenty or thirty pounds of premium bonds. I think I had one fifty-pound win off that, which oh, That's good. As a, I think I was only about thirteen or fourteen. That felt pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've done some number crunching because I know you're all going to be wondering how much would i have spent if i would bought a lottery ticket a week
1: yes i would yep. like to know
0: i thought you would <laughs> so you would have spent 1625 pounds if you had bought a ticket every single week so they were originally a pound mm. and then in i think 2013 um they went up to two pounds per game um do you know how much the first winners won in the jackpot
1: um is it um, more than Was a, million a few pounds? millions?
0: No, no millionaires Ooh. were made in the first um, in the first drawer. Oh, Seven more, people m- won, uh, multiple winners, um, and they all won just over eight hundred thousand pounds. I mean, forty thousand.
2: Still, still quite I nice. Wouldn't, I wouldn't get out of bed for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that is equivalent to one point six million in today's money when you take into account inflation. Get out of bed for one point six million?
1: Getting 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 warm. Getting, getting closer close. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and so if you'd taken that money that you would have used to play the lottery every single week and invested it instead, you'd have £4,000 today, which is probably more than you'd have if you'd played every week mm. because you might have won the odd tenor, but So I've done some more number crunching as well. So the jackpot this week was estimated to be £7.2 million. Mm. So if you didn't even touch the capital on that, you could take £360,000 income a year. And leave the capital untouched. That's pretty good, isn't it? That
1: is quite good, isn't it? Because I remember um, there was a girl in Canada. Was it she won? A, mm. Is it 16-year-old or something? She won a yes. lottery. And she had the choice I of, do you this. want a, a lump sum or, or like an X amount, was it per month it or was, per it, it, year?
2: Yeah, it was, one of those, it was one of those things where because she was so young, it was an absolute... No brainer. I can't remember the exact figure that she was. It was something like fifty thousand pounds a year, or a year for life, isn't it? For life, adjusted with inflation, or a million pounds. And she took the she took the the, the 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 income. Yeah, the income, which I thought was really
1: sensible. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen year old. Yeah. What would and so for your three hundred thousand pounds, what would you spend that on?
0: What if I got that? Yeah. A year. Yeah. Um, as many holidays as I could buy. You know, every time you ask me why I spend a windfall on, it's always holidays.
1: So if I didn't want to buy a lottery ticket, but wanted to become a millionaire, let's say over 25 year timeframe, how much would I have to invest on a regular basis?
0: So I've done the sums for that. So you'd have to pay in 20,000 pounds a year, every year and that assumes five percent growth after Mm. fees for investing which works out as one thousand six hundred and sixty six pounds a month that you'd have to put in to become a millionaire after 25 years Mm, which is 194 lotto
1: tickets yeah i don't have enough money could you give me some
0: yeah (laughs) i'll I'll, I'll sub you for the first year
1: brilliant (laughs) Thank you ever so much for listening this week. Uh, Just a reminder that next week, we're going to have our special podcast on first-time buyers. Um, We're going to answer all of your questions on how to get on the housing ladder, which ISA to use, whether to go with cash or to invest. So please do email us any questions to podcast at ajbell.co.uk and we'll answer them next week. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye
0: we <music>